Now entering Nerdist.com. just made my voice so husky i this is a, apparently a very sexy show is this, this is, a, is this a sex show a very this <laughs> okay. is a sex show i can't believe i didn't tell you that i've caught you unawares i apologize I um I, I am uh here with my friend i, I kind of wanted to call you my cohort for a second i'll take it um I was thinking about this when I was riding my bike before you came over. Your name is might be the most Grecian goddess. I don't I don't know why I never put that together before, but for some reason I was like, June Diane Raphael. That is like someone could uncover tablets that you wow. that your that your ancestors perhaps like is it possible that someone you're related to invented math or the cosmos? It's doubtful based on my appreciation for math and knowledge mm-hmm. of it, but I it's weird because the, my last name is actually should be pronounced Raphael. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, I, but everybody says Raphael. And mm-hmm. so at this point I've accepted it uh-huh. as true. Like Los Feliz Boulevard. Yeah. It's like, sure. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was in high school, I won the Latin American award for like $200. The what? Teen American? The Latina American award. The Latina. Of course, that I was a Latina. <laughs> Wait a minute. You didn't correct them. <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, I took my, my $400 and went on my merry way. Oh, and Raquel my. Rodriguez was in the stands like, no, this is so flawed. What was the what was the um, award? Like, what was the process of, of winning that? When we were in high school, when we were seniors, we all had to fill out a general scholarship application. So... It was one application for all the awards they gave out seniors before they went to college. And so there wasn't anything specific that I won. It was just, they assumed. Okay. I so guess you didn't whatever, have to write an essay on no, why you were being, proud yes. to be Latina. No, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I would have thought about it, yeah. but I wouldn't have done You're that. You're not that deep of a yeah. grifter. I know, but I took the money and I went on my merry way. <laughs> do you remember what you purchased? Oh God, what did I do with that $400? I don't know. I feel like I bought like Natty Lights that hey, whole summer. There you which go. Which were disgusting. Yeah. I remember they tasted like water. Um, what do you buy? Like, I feel like I bought like lip gloss. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I remember buying in high school. It's like, oh, I got to get a lip. Seven bucks. Yeah. I'm going to go to CVS. Yes. And I'm going to get a lip gloss. And you know what? I, what I feel like I never really, um, realized and i kind of still don't realize and i keep making the same mistake over and over again is that 90 percent of lip glosses are horrible they're just gunky sticky gooey like they're not life-changing i will uh, i will uh, i will act as a fuzz magnet within five minutes of putting it on i'll have like hairy lips chicken grease on your lips it's disgusting i mean i don't like the way lip gloss feels i don't like getting my hair stuck in it agreed i like a more matte look (laughs) <laughs> now we're getting into serious stuff. <laughs> this is the fastest we have launched into something on this podcast ever. I really um, do, though. You're absolutely yeah. right. Lip glosses do not, they are not the promised land. No. They make themselves out to They be. don't. And, and, and I think, and also whenever I work on something, people always want to gloss they me up. They always want to throw a gloss reason, on. They, think that's they always want to put I like want. a liner. We're going to do yeah. liner and then we're going to do a gloss on top. Yeah. And you're going to be good to go. Oh, you are going to be good to <laughs> go. You can't eat anything either. No. No. You and they really and they gloss up like inside your mouth yeah. too. Like the, the wand or whatever they're <laughs> using is just getting into your gums. Yeah. That's terrible. Now, I think that about wraps it up. 
Thank this you so great. much. Thank you. Um, my shoes back on. We didn't necessarily set out to talk about lip lip glosses, liners, or lipsticks. I've got, there's a lot to unpack on all of yeah, those issues. She's just she's just ready, willing, and able, and I appreciate that about her. Uh, but you guys may know June from the Adult Swim show. It's fairly new. It's fairly wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is NTSF SD SUV. That's great. And. Um, and she's one of the funniest people I know. Oh my um, I feel like I, I don't want to. I'm starting to worry because I've because I've the people that I've had on the show. I of course have on the show because I love them. And now it, I'm starting to worry. Like I'm already anticipating people writing in and saying, "You're an ass kisser, Janet. Stop <laughs> brown nosing all your friends." But this is about feeling good, guys, and this is about is. Uh, celebrating. Um, you know, ladies that we love. I feel like there's um, a lot of negativity in this uh, in this town about chicks who uh, who work in the same business, and I and I feel like that's one of the reasons that we're doing the podcast is that it kind of started because it reminded me of being a teenager. Mm. Well, and it's so funny because of- I, when I was driving here, I was thinking about the first time I met you was at a pilot testing, like a network testing situation, yeah. and. Which is so funny because I feel like the perception is like, oh, God, you're going to go in there and you're going to hate everyone in the audition room and the girls are going to be horrible and it's going to be so scary. And I feel like I've made close friends in L.A. from like those weird sort of competitive, strange, bizarro situations where you're all like kind of wearing the same outfit and you all kind of look exactly alike, you know, but... Yeah, I think it depends on what energy you're willing to put out because then you're going to because then if you're showing that you're open to it and that you don't have that sensibility, then the people that feel the same as you are going to come out of the woodwork and be so grateful that you're extending yourself in that way. And just for those of you who don't know very briefly what June's talking about with the network testing process is just, um, you know, this it's it's really a a whole process that's designed to make you feel like crap about yourself. (laughs) And um, and so you go in and you read for something, maybe maybe you know if you're lucky you get an audition for something then you go in and you read for a casting director and um and uh and then they decide whether they think you're a good enough fit to even show the producers Mm -hmm. this is like if you're you know sometimes if you're lucky you you know you go right in and and you see the producers if they know you or if you've been working for a while but um so you've got you kind of have to jump through that hoop and then you meet the producers and then if they really like you and they're seeing you know a couple hundred girls if they really think you you know can bring takes Something special to the, <laughs> the chops, the clunky <laughs> script they've written. All due respect, uh, then you may be asked to test, and that's what June's talking about. Is that you go? Then you go to the studio. They pick like maybe six girls uh, to take to the studio that is producing the pilot, and then that whittles down yet further. And then, if you're really lucky, you get to test in front of the network. And so that is just a myriad of opportunities to question yourself, to feel like, you know... And by the way, those network tests and the studio tests are often, like... To call it an audition is even... It's in a room full of, like, 40 people. We're all wearing Many unsmiling. Yes, on their Blackberries. And, like, I'm always obsessed with the spaces. They're always, like, weird corporate theater spaces. Yes. Yes. That are... That have terrible sound systems, so you feel like your voice is just getting swallowed up into the darkness of your soul. Yeah, and it's like, you can just imagine, like, corporate seminars where they're doing, like, trust fall exercises together. Like, there's nothing creative. Yes. It's not a black box theater. Like, and, it's just yeah. so corporate. And so that's what June's, June's talking about. And it is, it's just kind of a weird, crackly, tense scenario. And because um, you walk in and you see who you're up against. And you see who you're up against. And there's, I think it, you know, what we're both saying is it, it can tend to, from the outside in, breed a certain discomfort and a potential competitiveness and and you know some girls who are catty for one reason or another um that really shows through there but then other people who are kind of warm and humble and recognize Mm -hmm. that the process is miserable you can find these great kindred spirits to use an Anna yes, Green Gables did. term. Yes, yes, you did. And yes, you did. And How I'm fast so glad. was I going to bust that I'm out? I'm so glad. How fast? Uh, and, and, and so, yes, so that is how we met. And, and we both have backgrounds in... Um, in improv and in writing sketch and, and neither of amazing. us got the part by the way and neither one of us got it as is usually the <laughs> case um uh that's what we have to be good at is failing gracefully sure. um 
but uh, but you're a wonderful writer, and mm-hmm. you and I always talk about kind of how important it is to have have this the sort of self awareness in from within and be generating your own material and just kind of staying for sure. Sane. I mean, like God, I feel like. I feel like when I see actors, actresses, whichever whichever term suits you, who are just okay with being an actor and being an actor for hire and just hoping to get the part and going up for it and out for it and waiting, I'm like, man, Godspeed. Like, I wish I had the quiet confidence to do that in a way. It's like I, on the other hand, have to create jobs yeah. that I then cast myself to in. To the little gerbil running yeah, the wheel in our like, brains. I would love to not have to write for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, that ain't happening. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I also think it's just you you have so much more agency over your own career. And you know the truth is there's a lot of men writing for women and yeah. I don't say that as a dig even because like I know I write male characters and I'm like, I have no idea what they would say. I'm like, are they playing video games? Right, right. Are they playing basketball? That's all I know. That's all I know. I don't, I literally, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I have no, and I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. So it's, I have a, like an enormous amount of sympathy for it. I don't read these scripts anymore and think like, oh, fuck you. Like, why are they shopping and talking about shoes? Like women don't talk about this stuff, but I mean, I know we just did <laughs> five minutes we on lip gloss. Out about gloss. How but dare that we? was important. How dare we? It was important. And I have more to say on it <laughs> if we want to call it back. Um, well, why don't I, let's, let's circle back a little bit and, um, and let me ask you where you're from and where you, where you were yeah. raised and where you went to high school. For sure. Um, I'm from Long Island, a town called Rockville Center, which is not too, too far from the city probably about a 40 minute train ride. So I grew up going in to see Lemes like every other weekend. Like I was a huge, I mean, that was my first real like exposure to theater and art and acting. And I, it was really the big kind of spectacle of it all. I was yeah. like, what is this? And I remember as a little girl seeing the actors who played um, young Eponine and um, thinking, and young Cosette, and seeing, seeing them and thinking like, well, they're my age, but I'm watching them. And why aren't I up there? You know, like I remember having that thought of like, but I want to be up there. Well, but how do I get there? You know, like it was such a huge idea that they could do that at the, at seven years old. So did you, did you have, was any of your family, um, into this so you didn't have the kind of parents that were like somebody seems like she wants to audition for something oh god no i mean my parents even when they came to the set of zodiac uh they were extras in the movie and oh i love that the yeah my father's been an extra in pretty much everything i've been in that's so cool (laughs) my gosh my dad's probably gonna hear this and go i could have been an extra what why why haven't you no it's really upsetting actually like he's caused a lot of problems on sets (laughs) i'm not kidding you um but when they came it was the first real acting job i had where i was getting paid to do it and i remember my mom being like june the hair and makeup people get to travel the world. They make a lot of money. They're having a great time and they get paid very well. Like she wanted me to get into the hair and makeup department. I'm like, mom, I'm doing it. I'm doing what I set out to do. I'm making a living. And so God love her. It wasn't about discouraging it. I think just for, I know. So to answer your question, no, I did not have parents who were like, get at this crazy world thank god in a way yeah you know but i think for parents it must be horrifying it must honestly if i had a kid it must be horrifying to have your child pursue something like that yeah i mean i totally would discourage it 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 would just be so scary it's like why don't you do this um other thing where you can be near that stuff you know and you love makeup having said that um I play my own parent in that regard because my, Mm -hmm. my parents were never, were the opposite. They, they were like, you know, I feel like I remember my, my, they were never, I was never involved in theater outside of school, um, when I was younger, but my dad 
would say stuff like, you know, I, you're, you could win an Oscar, sure. You know, you could win an Oscar. But there was never like, well, let's get you an agent. Right. right it wasn't right, that. Right. It was always, you know, school, school and right. school-related theater. But um, but I'm the one on set always <laughs> looking around going, I do love this world. What else could I do? Because when this dries up, for sure I want to stay associated well, is there with there it. there an opening at craft services? Seriously, or? I'm not kidding you. Everything you just said about what your mom said, I'm having that conversation <laughs> with myself Every time I work on something, I'm thinking, I mean, I probably, I don't think I could be first AD. That seems really hard, but maybe I love crafty. props. I love things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, you're like, oh, set decorating. That's a combination of my two loves. Oh my you God. Know? That's so So funny, I'm, I'm really gun shy about like, oh, skittish, you know, when, what, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to, yeah. Well, I think also that's another reason why writing has been great because it's like, oh, Okay. Maybe this can be a look. There's a reality to parts drying up for women. There's just a reality to it. It's like, oh, okay, this could be a way to stay in this yeah. industry for. And also, like, okay, I can sort of see more of a life with that. Like, oh, okay, I can imagine having a child and sitting and writing at home. Like, all right, yeah, you know. Obviously, acting is my first, I mean, it's my first thing. It's my first love. But I, it gives you more of a sense of like, I could be a human being. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I, I, I totally this, agree. Uh, it's a carny life. Otherwise, it's it is. It's a life. It did is. you study, did you, so did you start taking theater in school when you were in high I school? I went to NYU. You, so I went to Tisch. And where did you, what, what were you in high school? Where did you? I, we had a great theater program at my high school. I did all the shows. I did, um, Took all the we had an acting program at the high school, a performance technique program, which was amazing, and I'm like still close with my drama teacher from high school because oh, I, love that. I mean he was you know without him he was the first person who gave me an idea of like you should do you should do this yeah like you love it too much you should do this and I remember thinking like all right and he went to Tish and so I applied to NYU and you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think like, wow, if that hadn't happened, if he hadn't been there, you know, it's it's weird to think about that. But um, I directed a play in high school with a friend of mine and what a great theater program. Like yeah. we had a great, amazing arts program and I loved all of it. I mean, I'm not like a singer. So I think when you're in high school and you love theater, if you don't do musicals, you're at a you're at a bit of a loss. I think I, you know, my school didn't really do musicals that oh, really? i can remember my we we mostly did like i remember we did a really melodramatic play called in the middle of grand central station oh wow and it was like it, i think it was one of those plays that becomes really easy to get the rights to if you're a poor public school <laughs> right, 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 right. um it may have been written by someone a couple of years older than i was <laughs> when i was in it and it was about a girl named marty who lived in the tunnels of grand central station she had run away from home and, she was um, like a mole person. She was a mole yeah. person. <laughs> Pre-definition mole person. She was a, she mole, was a person. mole person. And it was really pretentious. And um, the cool thing about it was... stuff, the social issues. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> and I got... The best part was that all of my monologues um, are... They're written so that it says that she's got her little ghetto blaster that she loves. That's probably politically incorrect. Um, but, and so I got to pick my own music to have as my background for my monologues. So I had like all my opening, all my monologues in, in like they, they open each of the acts. I had like Pink Floyd, oh like my God. Groovy Pink Floyd playing and I felt like, oh, I've really added an extra level to this. <laughs> I've really elevated this. <laughs> I've elevated this small person. <laughs> Bless. Bless. No, and by the way, yeah, I think it goes without saying, guys, nothing against small people. Um, nothing against small I've people. It sounded more like I had something against small people than when I said nothing against small people. I can't stop saying small people. I can't stop saying it. What is wrong? And nothing against them. Nothing against them. Not a thing against them. God love them and God this save them. This is the episode where I just go straight to hell. Nothing against mole people. If there's one thing I know about Jenna Barney, she does not have a thing against mole people. What has happened? What has happened here? What has happened here today? Did you read the mole people book? No, and I haven't seen Dark The mole people are going to They have a tough go of it. I mean, they have a civilization down there. 
<laughs> they really do. You're giving me the to their credit. Here's what, though, and this may cheer you up. Some of them do not want to come back up. Correct. Some of them would rather, given the choice, stay underground. Some of them <laughs> want to use you. Some of them want to get used by you. Jen, I would Some really love to hear to a monologue you. from oh Marnie. Right I wish I could remember any of it. It was, it's definitely, I mean, I, without remembering any of it, and please, let's, I will do some research and okay. I'll see if I can find later, I'll see if I can find some excerpts from in the middle of Grand Central Station and I will tag them on uh, to the end of this oh, podcast and, um, and try to find some music that I would be permitted to use, probably not Pink Floyd. I want to say that it's something like, a lot of people think you come down here by choice. <laughs> I guess it's a choice in a way. But not really. That sounds about like right. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Um, monologues are funny too. Like I feel like I, <clears throat> for as much as you work on monologues, like in high school and in theater school, yeah. it's like you'll never see a monologue you'll again. Never see a monologue again. And if you do, it, you're embarrassed. Yes. By it. If yeah. you do, your career is yeah, yeah, is going the wrong direction. But yeah. like I just figured, well, it's going to be a life full of monologues. Yeah, you know, I gotta yeah. get all my monologues straight. Yeah, I got. I should always in. I in always my gotta pocket, get. I should a classical and a modern. Yeah, and let it be, and and then and and let it be a, a Shakespeare that not many people have heard, exactly. but still good. Exactly. No, if it's good, everyone's, everyone's heard, heard it. it. If it's bad, why Such are you doing it? Cool. Yeah, because it's underdone. Um, I wrote. I've never done this before, but I uh, I wrote up for you some teenage podcast uh, Mad Libs. Awesome. So you can fill it in for me. So here's what I've got. Freshman year, I was blank about starting high school. And that's an emotion. Mm. I was blank about starting high school. Excited. Can I add one thing to that? Yes. I was also, well, when I was starting high school, I don't know what age I was. I was actually, I was nervous. I was five nine when i was 11 years old i sprouted up pretty early too i so those were freshmen was a tough still a very tough time in terms of the height difference yeah so very nervous because i felt like an amazon i mean i literally remember lying in my bed and my body hurting do you know what i mean like they say that oh the growing pains it's like yes i remember lying there like ow just (laughs) ow i'm i'm fucking i'm growing so fast that's amazing huh I grew six inches in two years. That's amazing. I don't think I grew that fast. I think I started growing early and often, yeah. <laughs> and then, but I don't. But I don't. I don't think I actually sprouted up in in a in a short period of time. Did like you that. have a tough time being taller with the guys? I did. Well, here's what it actually was good for me in a sense because I I was a year younger than everyone in my grade um, oh. because I. For some reason, when I got to kindergarten, I already knew whatever you're supposed to know in kindergarten, which is, I guess, like how to tie your shoes and drink from a water fountain because they put me into first grade. And so I was five when I was in first grade. So it was actually good that I was tall because I sort of looked like I was the same age as the other kids. And then um, so I guess that's the the good part of it. But I always was. But, you know, when I got to high school, I was excited because suddenly there were a bunch of kids of boys who had 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 growth spurts and. So my I first used to hate boyfriend that word, Yeah, that's it's actually I kind of still hate it. You're not wrong. You're not I just wrong. remember hearing my mother say like she's had a growth spurt. It sounds <laughs> just yeah, that's like, oh, dirty. God. That's yeah. dirty. It is. For shame. Um but yeah, my first my first real boyfriend in in uh, high school was probably not surprisingly like 62. I just went for the gusto the second I could. Of the course. first boy who paid attention to me who was really tall. I was totally on board even though he had really uh, he was a, I think he was a senior when I was a freshman and he was punk and um because that's what Hot. I had gravitated towards sure. when I when I in between my eighth, I went from like eighth grade year I was super clean cut and like loved Peter Gabriel and talking heads and then all of a sudden over one summer I kind of fell platonically in love with this girl who exposed me to like the cure and Depeche Mode wow. and all that of a sudden it. I had to wear a black lipstick matte not gloss Thank and God. uh wear dog collars and stuff and <laughs> I need and all these boy. pics. I need all these pics. Yeah. Oh, I. Well, we'll see if I can conjure some up. This boy was um, 
maybe the worst kisser I've ever kissed. And it was my first real kissing sessions of like sitting in a car, kissing and making out and stuff. But he had such a huge mouth that it just felt like his entire mouth made a big donut around my mouth and chin. <sighs> and, he, and he always had kind of like a scruff. And I just remember coming home with like a chafed face. Oh, just God, chafed, got it. You know? And that's Terrible. what I thought kissing was. It was like, oh, I'm just going to have a cold, right. wet, chafed <laughs> face. The whole lower half of my face. Right, sure. It's yeah. so crazy. Your first experience, like, well, that's all you knew. It's yeah. like, oh, I guess I have to get used to this because yeah. this is what it will be. And at least he was tall. Well, I get that, though, because I think for tall women, we are both very tall women. What What do you come in at? 5'10". I come in at 5'10". You come in at 5'10". Yeah. All right. I'm just shy of 5'9". I'm, I'm, you're just shy of 5'9"? Mm-hmm. I feel like you are 5'9". Easy. No? Um, I'm pretty much. I, I mean, I say 5'9". shrinking a little bit. When did that start? <laughs> when did the shrinking start? Um, but it's it's a strange thing because you want to be with someone who's... Like, you want... I think women want to feel, like, small and petite and when you're a tall lady it's like that's a challenge yeah you know? people are always like oh it must be so great to be so tall mm, not so much it's fine yeah not it's changing right it's not changing not going so. anywhere okay so sophomore year sophomore, sophomore year. year after school you would find me blank activity eating three bagels <laughs> i look back on my high school experience and I had no I was also 20 pounds heavier than I am right now I had no problem I had five girlfriends who I'm still best friends with today which is amazing that's great and it is it's it's really wonderful and we would all go to each other's houses and I would think nothing of like I'd eaten breakfast eaten lunch dinner was in a couple hours maybe two and I would make myself one bagel maybe two maybe three and eat them like it wasn't no thing. I am going to uh, see your three bagels. I'm going to raise you every single day going to TGI Fridays <laughs> after school and eating broccoli <laughs> cheese soup, french fries, and a hot fudge sundae. That's some. And then dinner afterwards? Oh, sure. It sort of blows my mind. It's, it's like it was no thing to me. Yeah. It was no thing to me to have a couple of bagels. Yeah. I wouldn't touch a bagel right now. <laughs> I, I, I literally wouldn't. It just I would, like it's not worth it. No, it's not worth it. If I were to have one, it would be like scooped out. It would be whole wheat. It would be a t- yeah. toasted with a tiny bit of butter. And which at that point, why bother? Why bother? It's like it's I'll have an English muffin. I'll have a piece of toast. When I, even when I worked um, uh, at the Pottery Barn... Um, when I was like 19 or 20 in San Francisco, I would on early mornings when we were receiving shipments, the truck days, we call them, I had to start work at 7am. And the thing I loved most about having to start at seven was that Noah's bagels across the street was already nice. open and I would have a salt bagel because it tasted like a pretzel, like yeah, a soft sure. pretzel, a salt bagel buttered with scrambled eggs, melted cheese, nice. And cream cheese. <laughs> Melted cheese, butter, and cream cheese. But at that point, why not? And a bagel. <laughs> and I was like, not, I, did, I didn't, it didn't, uh, well, I, see, I, I did was, have, it was great. I had weight on me. I mean, it looked like I was eating three bagels a day. It wasn't like yeah. these were my teenage years and I was just a growing body and could consume that amount of food. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but when I look back on it, what I'm, what I'm very happy about, and I think this is a testament to my girlfriends and my family, but I look back and, I'm not saying I'm a slip of a thing right now, but I've lost weight since then. Mm-hmm. But I thought I looked fine. Like, I remember thinking, like, I look good. That's you great. Know? Yeah. So it wasn't like, I knew that there were girls that were thinner. It wasn't that I was delusional about that. It was just like, oh, well, that's just not me, though. Yeah. It wasn't like, and I was definitely, I was probably 30 to 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I was just like, well, this is just me. And I'm liking it. Like I love. It. I look at the pictures now. I'm like, I'm Mama Lasagna. Like, oh. what was I doing? I'm excited to get a picture of what I, I put on the you, what um, I put on the website is going to be a picture of you today oh, for and a sure. picture of you when you were a teenager. So I'm really excited. Oh, to I see love Mama that. Lasagna. That's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. Um, let's move on to Mad Libs. Love uh, these. Uh, so I think we've already Junior. answered this because we know you have your five close girlfriends. I gave you a multiple choice of I had a ton of friends. I had a few close friends. I hardly had any friends. 
Well, I had um, very close friends and it was really funny because three of them are lesbians. And so. And were they, but were were not, no, which is amazing because the high school I went to Southside high school in Rockville center is a very, I mean, the diocese of long Island is centered in our town. So it's a very Catholic town, although it's a public school, but it was certainly very conservative and um, nobody was out. There were no gay kids. There were no, you know, it was, it was unheard of. And I feel so like I remember maybe only two in my that school were out that were out. Wow. See that even still blows my mind. Like there was nobody. And now there's like a gay and lesbian alliance in the school. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's amazing because yeah, yeah three of my girlfriends who are now out and, proud of it um we're all closeted in high school and it's just funny to me that those we all came together it was like the girls who didn't necessarily i don't know who weren't obsessed with the boys and who weren't kind of playing that game were the ones that i like connected to so much and it's it's just interesting to think about but what was it like for you and boys Oh, Janet Varney. Um, (laughs) As I said, I was a lot taller than most of the kids my age, which was very difficult in sixth grade and sixth, seventh, eighth grade and didn't get a whole lot easier. I feel like I had almost like that sort of gay diva following because the boys who were interested in me have are now all gay so a little of that <laughs> yeah and i was drawn to them like, I, too. Feel like I have a very male energy in a lot of ways oh my and God, i was me really too. Drawn i loved it boys, yeah. yeah but i didn't have i never had a boyfriend in high school i didn't have a boyfriend until almost after college like i was very much so a late bloomer in that department um i just could not I went to a high school where the popular boys were, you know, white hats, lacrosse playing, very kind of, um, I I just could not relate to them at all. And they were a complete mystery to me. And I felt like I didn't know what to say to them. I didn't know what to do around them. Like they were, um, they were mysterious mm. to me. And I, I remember thinking like, well, I guess I know most people do this in life. Like, I guess I just won't have that. Like, I guess it's not for me because I felt like I saw the girlfriends I had who were, had boyfriends and all that stuff, dumbing themselves down or something. There was some sort of a game or something that I really, it wasn't even like I was taking a stance or I was like, I'm not doing it. I didn't know how I I was like, I would love to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to say to them. I'm, I get quiet around them. Like I was just, I was like a wreck with guys. Um, so the guys I did love and have crushes on and sort of was friends with were all, you know, and were they flaming the the theater and they were all in the drama department. Yeah. 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 It's so Um, funny the way the drama department creates a little, civilization for itself oh in my high god well what i love about theater departments too is like we take all we take all sorts it's you tricky. know what i mean like we'll take the handicapped kids we'll take the retarded kids like we yeah. will take them all and the awkward like i mean and not to say that i wasn't this person because i definitely was at times like the awkward like tech person who yep. just doesn't really know how to talk to people yep. and who will take them. is super serious and really passionate about hanging lights and stuff and like there's <laughs> a place for you <laughs> yeah no, really you're sit absolutely down. right yeah you're absolutely right um i don't know that, i mean if and please guys write in and tell me is there is there a group that like a theater department where mm. all where it really is give me your tired you're poor like just come on in um, I think you can find a place there and, but, and yet for it to also have the it's representation of like, yeah, like of like the, the queens. super, yeah. like, you know, the girl who gets the, all the leads and is a right. total snob about it or right. like the guy who sleeps with everyone or right, whatever. Right, right. It's so interesting that all of those things have a place. I know. I know. I know. Oh, it's so strange. Okay. I'm going back to the quiz junior year. My favorite subject was probably blank. Let's take theater out of it for a second. Okay. And talk about this, like other scholastics. 
I feel like English is too close to theater, but I loved social studies too. I mean, we had an amazing teacher, um, Mrs. Gloria. I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting her name right now. I love that you know her first name though. Did she I let do, you call her Gloria? She didn't, but everybody called her Gloria. And I can't remember. Siderman. Gloria Siderman. And I just remember it was that, that class where kids were debating and we were getting into issues. And I just remember thinking like, my brain hurts. Like I'm doing some hard thinking, some critical thinking. Yeah. You know what you don't do really? I mean, then in college, like my head exploded with those ideas. But at that time, I remember thinking in junior year that she made me think about like, Oh, wait a second. Americans weren't always here. What is an American? Like I remember those thoughts coming to me and it was incredible. So definitely social studies. I love, love, loved. That's a good answer. By the way, there is no bad answer. Okay. Um, if I needed to cry in my bedroom, oh I God, would listen to blank. Oh, wow. I mean, as I said, I grew up, I really loved musicals so much. So I had tapes of Les Mis and Phantom and all that stuff. You know, and I've never seen Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis. You've never seen Les Mis. I, I'm more of a, I, I don't tend to gravitate towards musicals. I loved performing in musicals, okay, but I didn't really gravitate towards seeing them. And I, I am, I live in the camp. It's, you know what? It's not even a camp. Cause you, I know you could name a bunch of other musicals that, that would go along with this one. And I would say, no, I've never seen any of those either. Um, I love the music man. Sure. Love it. But like almost every other musical from that era, I've never really warmed to. And I loved Mary Poppins. Sure. Like the kids, the kind of the kids yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that happen to have music in them, sort of. I got you. But I've never seen Les Mis. I would see Les Mis because um, I would not even put Phantom on the same. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't even do to, they're, they're not related at all. Les Mis is such a beautiful, epic story. I feel knowing a little bit about how you feel about Anne of Green Gables that you would really relate to it. It's a period piece, but it's, I mean, French Revolution. And, and the love story is just beautiful. And what's weird about it is that, because I, I just saw the L.A. version a few weeks ago. They, they did a production downtown. When I saw it when I was younger, all I heard was like, oh, it's a love story about these people who want to be together. And she's then there's this love triangle and they're young. And that's what I related to. Every period of my life, I've seen it again. And it's like, oh, I like I saw it a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this is a story about this man's every character's relationship to God. Like all of a sudden, the whole religion the religious story came through to me. So it's literally like, I watch it like, oh, this is a classical, this is a timeless piece that is opening up for me every single time I see it. That's so wonderful, isn't it? What what a mark of a truly brilliant piece of art. It's really, it's really quite good. But I, when I was in high school, I had the tapes at the time and I just remember listening to them over and over, which I still do with songs that I love. Like if I love it so much, I heard it by listening to it you know what i mean it's like i get angry that i love it so much and then i play it nonstop. it's very weird i did that with adele recently it's like i will play you until you are nothing to me (laughs) (laughs) totally get it and then i'm and then i'm mad at myself yeah it's like well i've ruined that yeah um but i was always listening to my tapes so you would probably have listened to la miz if you needed to cry in your room I think so. I wasn't really like a music kid in terms of like popular music. I mean, I remember getting really in. Somebody gave me like Joni Mitchell's Blue album. And I remember hearing that and being like, whoa, okay, there's something else out there. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think we all have that too. And it's always that album. And it's, it is totally mind blowing. And it still is. Oh, it still is. Every it single song. Is. On Every that, single that song. I, I got so into, I mean, I, I definitely found her and Cat Stevens around the same time. And it just became, I, I must have and know everything. Mm-hmm. Like you said, angrily absorb it mm-hmm. until I know every moment, every pause, yep. every breath, every word, every beat uh, of weird. everything she's ever done. Like yeah, it just became no, like, sure. oh yeah, uh, you, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm going to get into all the weird jazz that yeah. she got into, guys. Yeah, I'm sure, going to leave the God, rest of you behind. Period. You're done. You've got like a, you've got clouds and you've got blue. Yeah. I'm doing it all. Kissing yeah, 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 a warm yeah, summer yeah. lawns. Sure. I'll know it sure. song to song. I mean, sure. I think that instinct to kill it, it comes from 
being almost angry that something can move you that can much be that good and be that yeah important. it's like yeah it's like i gotta take back the night all right yeah. i'm gonna listen to everything <laughs> until it's meaningless. yeah until you can't do this to me anymore yeah it's really she weird she still can though she still can i gotta tell you river i mean yeah yeah there's a every every song on Blue gets me to last my core. time I saw Richard. Last time I saw Richard, it was Detroit. Let's look, let, <laughs> let's let's just talk about the end of that. I'm gonna blow this damn candle out. I ain't gonna let nobody come over to my table. I got nothing to talk to anybody about. All good dreamers pass this way someday, hiding behind bottles in dark cafes. Wow. Only a dark cocoon before I spread my gorgeous wings and fly away. Only a phase these dark cafe days. I gave myself chills i never want to meet her because i know she'll be mean and snobby to me because she knows she's a genius and then my heart will shatter i feel that every person i've wanted to meet has been an enormous disappointment (laughs) keep them at bay keep Keep them at bay out there you don't want to get too close to your dreams you don't want to get do don't icarus out ladies do not icarus out okay case of you Um, oh case oh please case of you please How'd she do it? I could drink a case of you and I'd still, still be, be on, on my feet. feet. No, it's genius. I'd still be on my feet. Genius. Amazing stuff. Okay, go on. Next one. Today, when I need to cry in my room now, I listen to... Oh. Ah, what do I listen to? I mean, I, I got to answer honestly with these Mad Libs. And yeah, I got to say, do. I don't need to listen to anything to cry now. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, you know, I'm always ready. <laughs> I'm always ready. Right it's just right behind the eyes. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I need anything to get me there. Um I cry a lot more than I used to in high school though. Like I feel like in high school there were some, there was so much angst and feelings, but it wasn't in a weird way. I don't think it was authentic. Do you know what I mean? Like I, it wasn't, I had so many emotions, so many hormones raging through my body, but now like somebody's profile could really touch me to my core. And I think as you age, you almost, I don't know what it is, but I cry much. I cry almost at every movie I see. I cry very, very easily. So that's a long way to say I don't need anything. That's a great to get answer. me there. Is there some? Is there a song like we've just been talking about? Is there something that, like with mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell or something, that'll be a, like on your shuffle and it'll come on and you'll just have to sort of you know take that a Ad- moment Adele song. I'm not sure if it's from 19 or 21, but it's um. Someone like you. Mm. Oh, God. I mean, when I, I was literally like weeping on the elliptical machine when I first heard that. I was like, and here I go. (laughs) Like, I am destroyed by her and her voice. And she has one of those voices that, I mean, the whole song is about her ex-boyfriend is getting married and she's sort of looking at it all and still wanting him and all this. But it's... Oh, her voice. She's only 21 years old, which is very disturbing to me. And she sings from such a place of raw, like she just opens her mouth and I want to cry because it's so raw and open. Have I just, you seen her live? No. And Casey Sounds like it needs to just happen. gave me, Casey Wilson, my best friend, just offered me a ticket last Wednesday to go see it because she couldn't go and I could not go. <gasps> No, it's devastating. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. Um, Adele. Okay. Uh, yes or no, I went to prom. Yes. Did you go with a boy? I did. Um, I Our prom was at the plaza, Hello, which was very Murph. exciting. Madeline goes to the city. I know. We, we had, had very different childhoods. Yeah, well, you know what? We didn't have, we didn't live in, I mean, we lived in a, definitely an upper middle class town, but it wasn't like, we weren't rich kids. It was just that my class was so, and our student council was so filled with high achieving kids that we raised more money for our prom than like anyone had in the history of. So anyway, we had all this money and so they got the plaza. I asked a boy who did not go to our high school. I was a weird, I was a weird girl, Janet. I was like, not, 
it was popular and all that. It wasn't that. It's just like the guys who ran the show, the superstar guys. I was not in that. I was not one of theirs. I think I speak for everyone when I say good because I I never know what people are going to bring to the podcast. And I'm so delighted that um, pretty much across the board, everybody who is, you know, working and who I consider to be personally and emotionally successful in this crazy city, um, so many people have, nobody was like Belle of the Ball. And it just, it's funny because I think think that's kind of a truism though, that if you're a superstar in high school, it doesn't necessarily translate. And if anything, I think the people who were superstars in high school, at least um, popularity wise, did not move forward and, and almost stayed because there's a danger. I think when you peak, when it's like everybody's saying yes to you at 17, well, then you're not really going to have much need or desire to leave. So I I see a lot of the guys especially are all bloated up. You know, the girls look amazing. Like all the girls who were sort of not even looked at in high school, I look at now and I'm like, they're gorgeous. All of the guys I see now and I'm like, you're bloated. It's They're all alcoholics. Like they just didn't... Because I think they almost got too much affirmation. It, it, it's a disservice to them, too, to have a whole community and a whole high school being like, yes, yes, you guys. Do it, do it, get at it. Because then, you know, they have nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. That's a really that's a really good point. Um, okay, I'm looking back at this just to see. Okay, so you went to prom, so you asked a boy. Um, asked it boy. wasn't really your boyfriend, but you guys it was had not a nice my boyfriend. And the devastating part about it, when I look back, is that he was a friend. I mean, I, I did sort of like him, but I knew he didn't feel the same way about me. But it, there was such a mad dash scramble to secure a date that I just asked him and he said yes. And I was so relieved to just have someone to go with. But then in the interim of asking and him saying yes, he started dating a friend of mine who was then on the prom bus with me. So he, of course, wanted to sit with her and wanted to oh, spend the night with her. Story. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it? what a great story. Is it? There she is. Oh, God. And she was there with a date, too, who was sort of doing his own thing. Like, he wasn't really concerned about any of it. But I just remember they had just had this, like, you know, blossoming relationship. And of course they wanted to be with each other and hook up. And I just remember thinking like, this was a massive mistake. And I'll never fucking forget when I got on, when I got ready for the prom, I noticed above my lip, the tiniest of blemishes, Mm -hmm. tiniest. I got on the, (laughs) I got on the bus and I took out my mirror and I was like, Oh, I have a pimple. Like, okay. So now it's a pimple. All right, but it was still manageable. By the time we got to the plaza, there was like an enormous whitehead. It was like in full effect. And I spent, before I even entered the prom, the first, I would say 15 minutes in the bathroom with one of my girlfriends popping a pimple. And it was one of those that's so close to your lip that it bleeds for like days. So all we did was sit there with toilet paper, like (laughs) dealing with this pimple. So, yeah, my prom experience wasn't... At the plaza with a pimple. With a pimple. Before I could even get at the room, I was in that bathroom. Oh, God, that's (laughs) great. Oh, I love it. It's like high meets low. It's fantastic. Um, That's good stuff. I'm really glad that I thought to ask that. So, So do you remember kind of your first kiss? I'm not speaking of like your first kiss as like a child kissing a boy behind a whatever. I do remember my first kiss. And How was it? Horrible. Like mine. It, just like yours. His mouth was huge. And I'm looking back, maybe this was my fault, but I remember, first of all, I was very nervous. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what like French kissing is. Like I didn't understand any of it. And I just remember slobber all over my face. Like, all over my face. It's so weird when it dries. The, like, stiffness of your face from someone else's slobber. Yeah, but it's really weird because I've never had that experience again. So I'm assuming it must have been him, but 
I thought it was just like, well, this is what it is. You have to wipe yourself with a, t- a hand towel. <laughs> Afterwards, that's, it's like that's getting like, licked by an enormous dog. Like, I guess that's what this is. Oh, that is gorgeous. And it was on a stairwell. I mean, it just wasn't, you know. Yeah, it just wasn't. And he was very sweet, and it was all fine, you know. But, but pleasurable, absolutely not. Yeah, and strange, like like a wet dog. It was like kissing a wet dog. Oh, that's great. God, what other stuff can I mine out well, of you? It's so it funny, like too, so because it's questions. like, I feel like there was such a thing then of like, okay, we're going to be making out and we're going to be sticking each other, you know, tongues down each other's throats. It's like you don't do as much French kissing or tonguing ever again. It's like because it's such a thing. It's yeah. like we're doing this, you guys. We're yeah. in high school and we're going to be tonguing. <laughs> so dumb yeah you know it's like gotta get a tongue in (laughs) it's like why like you do or you don't but you don't have to (laughs) yeah i feel like it's funny because we were bringing that up and the idea of like you're doing it to do it and that's part of the experience and i i remember having a boyfriend when i was in sixth grade and I just had a flash when you said that. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a boyfriend that I really did kind of love, who, by the way, is out. Um, but we did right a as lot rain. of making. Yeah, we did a lot of making out behind closed doors, and I have such a specific memory of how weird that made me feel sometimes. Like the recognition of doing something too soon mm-hmm. and not being ready for it, but just sort of like runaway train like i guess this is what i do now right right right. and and really like being being in a room and closing the door so our parents wouldn't hear and doing a lot of heavy kissing and stuff even though i don't think that we we weren't really french kissing because that was not introduced to me until high school but um but just general like i guess we were just kissing feverishly for hours (laughs) Like, what were we doing for hours that I would, and that I would, I don't, he wasn't feeling me up or anything like that. And if there was no tongue, it was, must've just been feverishly kissing, but I definitely felt that's my dog shaking himself out. He's been quite quiet this time. Um, I definitely remember feeling like, I don't feel right about this. It's so funny because I feel like that kiss and getting the prom date and all there was a, it felt there's such a frenetic energy to just do it because I felt like I was racing because I felt behind. Like I got to kiss a boy. I have to, I have to, you know, and I got to get a prom. It's like, there was no, there was no joy to any of it. You know what I mean? There was almost no personal choice to any of it. It was just like, I got to do it. I got to do it. Check it off the list. Yes. Because you just, there's such a fear of not wanting to be that person who's left out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so weird. I wonder if anybody's like really having great sexual experiences in high school. Maybe they are. I don't know if anybody's listening to this who's um, who's in high school and you feel like you've got a handle on your sexuality in a way God that bless. feels great and it feels like you have you it it's part of your identity but you're not defined by it and all that. I would love to hear your story. You know, we haven't really talked about in terms of checking things off a list, um, where kind of drugs and alcohol enter into it, and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but did that kind of come into play for you in high school at all? Was it for like, sure. let's all get drunk or let's we all get stoned? We definitely got drunk and got stoned. Absolutely. Um, and weirdly, it was like a weird path because I guess you would think for me that it would lead to maybe sexual promiscuity or something. It really didn't. It was like... I remember getting stoned for the first time and, you know, my dad picking me up and just like freaking out in the car and thinking my voice sounded like a game show host and running upstairs and just crawling into bed because I was so freaked out about how I felt. Um, And there was a lot of drinking that went on. I mean, a lot. And I look back and I'm like, what were we doing? You know, and I was drinking like a, you know, like a 60 year old black man. I mean, we would just drink forties of old English, like a malt liquor every weekend. It was crazy. Um, but no, when you, so you say you got stoned and then it was scary. Isn't it funny how I'm assuming you got stoned again after that? Yeah. Like the idea of, 
I feel like if nowadays in my life, if I do something once and have a negative experience, five yeah, percent as negative as what you just described, I will never I till the day I die do it again. But that idea of being in high school and being like, I mean, that was horrible. I mean, it probably won't happen yeah, a second I, time. Like be, the willingness to sort of give something oh, yeah. another shot if your peers are doing it. Or well, and the odd thing too about my town is that I just remember because I hate being cold now. I mean, we live in California. I'm not cold that often, but. You saw I came in with a jacket. Like, I'm scared of being cold. When I was growing up and in high school, we would take 40s and get natty lights or whatever we could get our hands on and just simply, and this is New York, walk the streets at night. Yeah. Walk the streets. Just like, I mean, we must have been freezing. I yeah. just can't even believe we did that. There was no houses to go to because we couldn't drink at people's houses. So we would just, like, drink under bridges and walk around and try to meet up with other people as before cell phones. You are dangerously close to approaching a mole person is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I was a couple feet above, literally above being a mole person. That was crazy. But that's what the order of the day was in Rockville Center. It just was like well, you walk is, around at like, night. What are you going to do? And I, it's interesting to me that you were, um, yeah, that you were in a town so close to the city. You know, I'm from Tucson, and talk mm-hmm. about nothing to do. I mean, you really did. Like, Speedway was to be avoided. It was a, it was the main thoroughfare in town, and that's where it was to be avoided if you were not a person who wanted to, like, be a kid cruising. But, right. like, they truly, you'd think that this is, like, 1950, but wow. truly high schoolers would get drunk and just, like, drive to the top of Speedway and back again across the city because was there that. was nothing to do, no place you could go because you weren't old enough to really be drinking, but they would want to drink right. and they couldn't, you know, maybe they couldn't be at someone's house or whatever. And so that was sort of, like, the, what the cool kids did or the, I don't know what I would call, I mean, I felt like I was part of the cool kids, but that's, like, the you know, the rebels or whatever. Right. I don't know. Well, yeah, um, I've I mean, never sounded older than I did just then, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, like jocks, I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I would say that's what jocks did. Yeah. And then like the rest of us would do us an, a version of that. That was more hipstery. That right. was like, yeah, we got stoned and listened to Pearl jam and right, drove right, right. up to the top of this hill and, and looked at the stars, but knew that we wouldn't encounter any of the drunk people or whatever. Right. But it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, yeah. And you're right. You it's like, I, we could have gone into the city and gone to, you know, walked around Manhattan, one of the greatest cities in the world and done stuff there. I got to say that what's weird about Long Island is that there's, you're so close, but you are a million years away. Yeah. It's like, that is, it's typical suburbia. It's like, yeah, we could have very easily taken advantage of all the amazing things that New York City has to offer. And yet there was this small minded for 40 minutes away on a train, you know, you could, we could have been anywhere. Um, so it, it didn't really, it didn't occur to us to go into the city. It didn't appeal to us really. I mean, I went in to see Broadway shows, but that's pretty much about it. And, and we took our parents' cars out. I mean, I remember that somebody would steal their parents' keys and we would take the car out, not ever having driven a car. I mean, crazy so when so these girls that you're still close to do you yeah. all get together together at times or we do you do. just um, stay connected via we get together all the time i'm seeing i where just do they, do they live on the east coast or most of them do one lives in massachusetts one lives in chicago right now but she's moving back to new york and three others live in long island and manhattan so i'm going to new york in actually on thursday i'll stay with one of them um the next time I go back a week after I'm going to go up to Massachusetts with the other one. Like we see each other all the time and we go away together at least once a year. Do they also like Anne of Green Gables? You know, I no, they don't. I was actually That's alone. a younger thing from when you were younger. Yes. And I didn't have anyone. We that, talked about we this. We talked about this. Yeah. I did not have anyone that shared it with me. That was yeah. a completely solitary event for me. I remember getting the book out at the library and then reading it and becoming obsessed and reading all the books and becoming obsessed Yep, and then getting the movies and watching them like we're talking about Johnny Mitchell, watching them and Megan follows Mm -hmm. um, till it hurt, till it hurt my body. I just did, uh, I just did an interview with Bruce McCullough for the sound of young America. I guest hosted and I was so excited 
to ask him. I and I, I mean I totally apologize for it. I said I this is so nerdy and then I made the producer promise that because they cut down the interview I made her promise to keep it in there and I haven't listened to it yet so I don't know if they have but I said just trust me that there are going to be nerdy girl oh, listeners God. to the sound of young America who are smart and funny and adorable and geeky and just like me they want to know how it was working on Anne of Green Gables as I'm talking to one of the kids in the hall but that's the thing I'm most interested in and he was like it was really nice they were all really cool like he just you know he didn't I wanted but I wanted him to tell me some sort of magical story he said she was great but he his experience was because he was sort of a a peripheral character right that it was much more of the they were all awesome and doing their thing and he was just sitting in a room in a trailer somewhere and then they come grab you and say you're gonna say your one line come out and do it right now and then you're done and you leave and you're like oh i'm sort of part of this right 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 he didn't feel um, like one of the gang yeah but but i think he said something great about colleen dewhurst which i'll have to listen to the interview and see if i can remember that that's what he said. Um, did you relate to John Hughes movies and stuff when you were in high school? Um, did, you, were, were you, did you go through the obsession of like Sixteen Candles and The Breakfast Club? And I mean, or is that we a had our the next our next door neighbors, the Shorings had. We didn't have a VHS player for a while, so I, I mean, we had one by high school. But I remember I, I was actually introducing them earlier because our next door neighbors, the Shorings, had all the movies and they had Grease and they had everything you wanted to see. And I remember watching 16 Candles over there and just being like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, it's funny to think of like your mind exploding with movies and stuff at that age, because I mean, Molly Ringwald, I've, I mean, I love Anne, but she was sort of, it's weird that they're all redheads. I know. There's something very interesting and weird about that because I just remember Pretty and Pink, too. I mean, right? Seeing her and thinking, like, oh, there's a character that thinks like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was just all, so within all of those, which one do you think you relate to most? Is it The Breakfast Club? Is it 16 Candles? Is it Some Kind of Wonderful? I love Some Kind of Wonderful. I feel like the character I related to the most was Molly Ringwald in Pretty and Pink. Nice. The whole relationship with her dad, the dress, all of that. Like, I just really, it, I, I got at it. It really, really struck me. But, I mean, Anne, also a redhead. That's so I weird. Know. I am also fascinated because by this discovery. Because you know what? I mean, and this isn't her character in, um, in Breakfast Club, but there's something about being sort of this, like, outsider, weird, special, different... You're not blonde, but you're beautiful. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, girl. I could not wait to dye my hair red when I was in oh high school, God. by the way. I did it as fast as I could. I still want to go red at one point. Oh, you'd be a great redhead. Like, I can't. You see, you can do the strawberry blonde, which looks great on you. But, like, I would I have to you. do, like, a. Like an Auburn. Yeah. But you could totally work that. Get some nice gloss on your yeah. lips. <laughs> And get get to that it. auburn hair stuck into your lips and kind of flossing your teeth yeah, by yeah, accident because yeah, yeah, yeah. the hair just tucks its way all the way in and gets lodged Disgusting. in there. Disgusting. Chicken grease. Um, you, I'm excited to see you as a redhead. Maybe we can have some. You know what? If uh, if a listener wants to Photoshop the picture that June that's up of June, um, current June, uh, and you want to make her a redhead, uh, I welcome God's you to speed. do so. And um, I'll be really excited to receive that and forward it to June and we'll put it up on the website and we can all weigh in on whether she th- we think. Maybe we can even look at some different uh, hues, uh, some different absolutely. hues of red. Other thing I want to say about Anne as we're t- talking about it is like, have you ever seen a movie that's been so much what you wanted it to be after reading the book? Never. That have you ever seen perfect. an actress ever in all the movies you've seen? Never. Embody a character. The way that Megan follows it. Never. Never. She delivered those lines, and she has some tough lines in that movie. Yeah. When she's watching Diana Barry run away because she's gotten her drunk on current wine, <laughs> and she says, 
<laughs> and so Anne has been, for the listeners who do not know the story, Anne has been banned from seeing her best friend who lives next door to her. Yeah. I mean, it's like a horrible, as a, as a young girl, it's like, oh my God, your life is over. That's your whole world. That's You're living in a small world, town in Canada on an island and yeah, you've Prince met Edward your island. bosom friend yeah. and you've been an orphan and you've been taken in by a gruff The only friends couple. you had were in the windows, imaginary, window the glass friends. people. <laughs> Your window friends and then you get Diana and then you make a mistake and she gets drunk and they tell you that you can't be with her anymore. Hey, you're a bad influence. And she sees Diana oh, from far away and what does she say she, to she's run Diana has come to tell her that she's been banned and Diana is like very upset as well and she they kiss and she runs away like she can barely stand looking at Anne for one more moment because it's too painful and Anne I think is sitting on like a log that sits between their property and she looks at Diana running away and she says out loud to no one henceforth we, we must be strangers, strangers living, living side by side, <laughs> and you're just bawling with. I mean, you're just. I you're mean, bawling for her, and she means it. And I'll tell you what, Gilbert Blythe was never hotter than he was right after his bout with consumption yeah. <laughs> whatever that it's was. true whatever the croup the grip whatever <laughs> exactly. old-timey disease mal- he had, yeah. he survived malady he had, yeah. He almost died. Thank God he didn't. Yeah. But when he came back and met her on that bridge. Carrots. Oh, my God. Carrots. He looked so beautiful. And he really did look like he had been through a sickness. Like his body had been ravaged. Yeah. But he had come out of it almost looking. He had the pale, almost ghostly glow. Like he'd he'd seen the other side. Exactly. There was something really. (laughs) A maturity wisened by his near-death experience. He had to go through that to be ready to be the man (laughs) that Anne needed. he did. <laughs> it's so true. Oh gosh, guys, get yourself to crack open that book and then enjoy uh, Megan Follow's rendition. It is a very different time. You ain't got your Twitter. You ain't got yeah. your Facebook. You simply have yeah. a couple of red pigtails yep. and some bosom friends. <laughs> um, June, this has been a joy. Oh my gosh, as I knew it would be. I thank you. Thank you for having um, me. It's been a and, pleasure. And uh, now we're going to go get some food. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Bye. Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.